championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. This is the Lakers Nation live offseason show and the offseason. It is officially here. Congratulations, Milwaukee Bucks. But you know what? The offseason is here. That means we get to talk Lakers trades, signings, free agency, all that kind of stuff that's going on right now. Plus, let's not forget the NBA draft is what, like a week away at this point. All kinds of stuff to break down regarding how the Lakers are going to set up their team for next year when they can hopefully Bring home number 18. Joining me tonight, in addition to all of you coming in for YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, we also have Ron Gutterman and Matt the Optimist Peralta from LakersNation.com. Guys, how are you doing? I am fantastic. How are you, gentlemen? Doing good. Yeah, we just did some uh, mock trade negotiations, and now, now we're going right into this live stream. It's pretty great. That's right. We just did a mock. You just pulled off a trade with, with Keith Smith who hosts the NBA front office YouTube channel with, with me. You guys should definitely make sure you go subscribe to that, by the way. Just pulled off a pretty good trade. I liked it. Miles Turner and Jeremy Lamb coming into the Lakers in exchange for, it was what, Marcus Gasol, Kuzma, uh, Montrez Harrell, who's uh, we, the rumor that came out today is that he's opting in. Didn't see that coming. Could be opting into uh, his contract for next season and the Lakers' first-round pick. Not a bad move. I like Miles Turner a lot. I think the uh, the block party would be in full effect with Miles Turner and Anthony Davis side by side. Yeah, I I, I turned my back on my values and uh, when I said to never give up assets for a center, but in reality, the the deal that was on the table there, I didn't really see it as giving up assets. I I I don't assume Montrez Harrell and Marcus All are back next year anyway. I assume that all Lakers first round picks get traded. And so it was basically Kuzma for Miles Turner and Jeremy Lamb, and I, I couldn't turn that down. Good job, Ron. I liked it. Solid, solid effort there, sir. Yeah, I let feel pretty good. You, let, me, let me ask you guys this. How would you rank those three assets, or those, I guess, four assets, really? You know, the first, Gasol, Kuzma, Trez. Like, which one of those things do you think is the most valuable piece? Pick. <laughs> I'd say the picker, Kuzma. Uh the picker, meh, the pick. I it like it's funny because you you make the joke you can make the joke like the twenty second pick can be anything. It could even be Kyle Kuzma, uh, but like it really could be anything. And Kuzma, you kind of know what you're getting, so it's like, do you want to take a chance? And if you're a team like the Pacers, getting a guy like Kuzma and getting a chance at something, I feel like that's that's intriguing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's kind of like the uh, the car analogy we always use about driving a car off the lot. We already know what Kyle Kuzma is at this point. I mean, he thinks that he's Jason Tatum, which I'm sure we'll get questions about later. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think Ron's right. The, the value of the draft pick here, in, in this case, a pretty early 20s pick, is pretty valuable, especially in a, a draft that's considered pretty deep. So I, I think that the draft pick here, every team would be interested in a draft pick. I don't think every team would be necessarily interested in Kyle Kuzma. So that, that's where my thinking is. Yeah. Yeah, uh, agreed. Agreed. Uh, all right. Let's see here. Well, let's let's get right into it. I've got people asking in our chat uh, if we have any comment on the rumor that came out just a few hours ago that Kyle Kuzma and Dennis Schroeder don't like each other, that they don't get they didn't get along so well and that it got worse during round one of the playoffs uh, that came from Jordan Schultz. 
guys, what are we thinking about about that? Um, does this matter? Are, are either one of them Lakers at the beginning of next season? Yeah, I mean, my, I don't know about you, Matt, but my proposed solution is to get rid of both of them and we don't have to ever hear about either of them ever again. Um, that, that's kind of my ideal solution. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. My big thing with their with that report and, you know, who knows if it's true. But if it is true, my big question is, what on earth are they arguing about? Like, what do Kyle Kuzma and Dennis Schroeder have to argue about? Like, who disappointed the Lakers more during the during the first round of the playoffs? Like, I don't even know what debates they could possibly be having. Yeah, I thought it was a little interesting. That's the first time we're hearing about it, and it was from a source that's not necessarily always plugged into the Lakers. So I'm a little bit skeptical, you know, how accurate that might be. But, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like given all the stress of this season and and just the personalities for those two players, I know Dennis might be come kind of off a little bit edgy sometimes, so maybe Kyle Kuzma was a little bit uh, rubbed the wrong way that way. But, um, yeah, Ron, I mean, the solution really is just let's just trade both of them to two entirely different teams and cities and and problem solved, right? So uh, hopefully, I mean, ideally, I don't know. With, with, um, I'm assuming Rob wouldn't do them dirty and just trade them both to the same team and they can argue some more, right? Would he do that? <laughs> that see, this is where it gets interesting, though. Does if If that report is true and they don't like each other, would Dennis Schroeder agree to a sign-and-trade to the same team as Kyle Kuzma? Or would he be like, no, I'm not going with that dude anywhere? Absolutely not. If they really hate each other that much, then maybe. But I don't, you know, like we said, I think we can question how accurate this is. And and who yeah. knows? It could just be they got a little annoyed with it. Teammates, teammates get annoyed with each other sometimes. Like, that happens. I mean, that's that's the way it goes, right? Like, th- things like this happen over the course of an NBA season. 95% of the time we don't hear about it because it's not a big deal. You get mad at somebody for a little bit and then you get over it and you move past it. It could be something like that. Um, I don't know that it's anything to worry about moving forward or anything, but I, I just think there's there's a little bit of a, a opposing viewpoint here in terms of how they approach the season. And I wonder if maybe that is at the root of it. You, know, you think about what Kyle Kuzma did in terms of like, we call him the chameleon, right? Totally changed his game changed his position this season for the Lakers to try to do his best to fit in, right? To give the Lakers what they needed. Okay, I'm going to do my best to be a 3 and D style wing defender, even though I came into the NBA as a scoring four. So I'm going to try to change everything about me to do what's going to help the team as best as I can. And we can argue whether or not he was successful in that and everything, but that that was the mentality, right? Schroeder comes in and says, I have to start. I need the starting position. I'm going to be a free agent after this season. Four years, 84 million is not enough for me, 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 me. Very different. Very different way to approach things heading into a season, particularly Kyle Kuzma, who was on the championship Lakers team where everybody was all about sacrifice for the greater good. I don't feel like we got that out of Dennis Schroeder. So to me, those two conflicting ideologies, it feels like conflict would be would just be natural between the two. Yeah, I do agree with that. But the reason that I that we I mean, we're all questioning the validity of it is because you're right. If if that's the source of the problem, that makes perfect sense. But also, if that's the source of the problem, I would think there would have been a lot more controversy around Dennis Schroeder because LeBron James, Anthony Davis, uh, Markeith Morris, Jared Dudley, Wesley Matthews. These are all guys. Marcus all as well. These are all guys that you know, adapt to their role as the team needs. And I feel like 
if Kuzma was frustrated by it, then all of them would have been frustrated by it because they're all going through the same thing. Yeah, I think the only thing I could really add to that is winning cures everything. But given the season that the Lakers had and all the losses that were mounting up throughout the middle of the year, I feel like that just kind of contributed to as well. You know, it's really easy to get along with guys when you're all winning. But when the losing is happening and you guys are in a funk and, you know, you go out like you did in the first round of the playoffs, of course, it probably makes sense that two, two guys would be more agitated with each other than normal. So that's kind of where I stand on it. Yeah, that, that's true. Winning does cure all, right? So if you're winning, you're probably willing to let some things slide that maybe you don't. If you're losing, you're frustrated, you're grumpy, you're in a bad mood, all that kind of stuff. Um, Montre- the other big news from today, Montrez Harrell, like we talked about this a little bit, but I was not anticipating this at all. Eric Pincus puts out from uh, Bleacher Report that Montrez Harrell, the intel he's getting is that he's leaning towards opting in. That doesn't make sense to me, right? Like, doesn't make sense at all to me. Montres Harrell was racking up DNP coaches' decisions down the stretch this year, despite putting up 20 and 8 in the month of March. The Lakers said, Trez, you played well, but no thank you. We're going to bring in Andre Drummond, and he's going to take over your minutes. And that's heading into a free agent summer for Trez. I could see where he would be frustrated, and it felt like in everything he said, like he was a bit frustrated with the Lakers. And now we're hearing that he's going to opt in. What's the rationality? Like, what would he be thinking for this to make sense? Okay, so I actually thought about this quite a bit today. I think there's really two two reasons of thinking here, two lines of thinking. One, I think Rich Paul and he have scoured the market and have done, you know, some feelers and they realize he's not going to make more than what he's currently making on the uh, mid-level exception. That would be my first inkling. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I do think a team would offer him a little bit more than that in free agency. But, you know, maybe they saw, you know, how his role diminished and how he looked in the playoffs and teams were like, you know what, we've learned our lesson, undersized big man that can't defend. We don't really want him on our team, so we're not going to offer that much. So maybe he's just maybe he's leaning towards opting in because he wants to guarantee that he makes at least that mid-level for next season. Or, two, the Lakers have found a suitable trade partner and they need his salary and Trez wants to go there as well. Those, that's where I'm at with, with why he might want to opt in. Yeah, and I actually I do have a salary cap question. I know, huh? I, I know we're not, you know, cap experts, all of us, capologists. But if Montrez Harrell opts in to the, to the second year of his deal, mm-hmm. the Lakers th- don't lose their mid-level exception, right? He, he's counted as a separate entity, like... They get that back. Yeah, it's not like a slot or anything like that that he would just take up. The, you, in theory, if you want, you can use your mid-level exception every single year um, if, the, if the money works out. And some teams do get pretty close to doing that. But yeah, it's not like Trez opting in wipes out the Lakers' mid-level exception for next year. He's just, just because a contract he signed, on the books. I thought because he was signed using that last year that maybe there was something there, but it's good. That's nope. better. <laughs> still, still get that. Still get it. And actually, I think, you know, I mentioned this in the YouTube video that I put out earlier today uh, going over this news. I think that Trez opting in is a huge win for the Lakers. I think it's it's a massive Absolutely. win, regardless of what you're going to do, right? Because I think that Trez at $9.7 million on a one-year expiring contract, and remember, he's tradable now. If he goes ahead and opts in, goodbye de facto no trade clause. That's gone. So you have an almost $10 million expiring contract on a player who's pretty talented, where even if the Lakers don't trade him, you can say he's probably worth that contract. Maybe the Lakers just said, you know what, Trez? Look, we know you're not going to get great offers out there on the market, but 
We made a mistake last season. We're going to commit to you. You are our guy. You're getting all the backup center minutes next season, right? Maybe that's the path they're going down. And if that's the case, you could do a lot worse than Montrezl Harrell on that contract. But the flip side of this is you also get a $10 million expiring contract that you can put in a trade, and it's a guy who can play. It's not just like some guy that's got a contract that that nobody really wants that's just being used for the money. This is a guy who teams would want. So regardless of how the Lakers see this, I think it's a win for them. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, there's there's no real negative to him opting in. It doesn't affect your salary cap situation. It doesn't hard cap you. It doesn't do anything. It just gives you either a good player on a reasonable contract or a good trade piece. Um, I think we're going to know pretty quickly if the Lakers decide to go the trade route, just because I don't, I don't anticipate a world in which they hold on to him and then deal him at the deadline just because, you know, I, I don't see a team uh, deciding that Montrez Harrell is their big trade deadline addition. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like if he gets traded, it's before the season. If he starts the season with the Lakers, he'll finish the season with the Lakers. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's just my read on it. I could see him being moved to the deadline just as a as a contract. Yeah, I agree. I don't think anybody's going to look at Trez and say, okay, this is the piece that's putting us over the top. Maybe the Hornets, but I think I see like Always we, the Hornets. We keep looking at the Hornets as a landing spot for Montrez Harrell. Aren't they gonna go to Rashawn Holmes first? Aren't they gonna go to they might even go to Andre Drummond first before they talk to to Montrez Harrell? I think they're gonna have some other guys on the list to check off first before they go to Trez, but I do think that's a that's a potential landing spot for him. But I also look at just for the trades that we've heard about right the rumors russell westbrook uh we've brought him up a bunch it's not something we've heard a lot about but buddy healed uh i don't care who it is trez having it's that 10 million dollar salary it makes everything be in reach financially right like kyle kuzma and montrez harrell now gets you in range to a lot of guys whether it's you know demar Derozan or, or buddy healed or any of those guys that are right around that 20 million range trez being added into a trade for like a russell westbrook gets you that much closer to that $44 million range. Like him having that contract on the books just helps the Lakers in so many ways. Yeah. A lot of the issues with deals that we were proposing prior to the news today uh, came up way short in terms of salary, just because the Lakers didn't have a lot on their books. But if, like you said, Trevor, if Trez opts in, that's just another salary ballast that the Lakers can use in a potential trade for a star. So, you know, financially the issue Financially, isn't the issue anymore for the Lakers in terms of deals. It's really just going to be how other teams view the assets. So in this case, you know, Trez, Kuz, KCP, the pick, THT, etc. The Lakers have a little bit more flexibility in deals now. If Trez actually does opt in, uh, we should remember he's leaning toward it. But I mean, he can still very well opt out. Things can change very quickly in the next week or so. So, uh, But fingers crossed he does because I think it does work out better for both sides anyway. I really don't think Trez makes too much more money than he currently does now. So maybe it does make sense for him to just ultimately opt in. And I can say, because of the relationship the Lakers have with Clutch Sports, I find it hard to believe there'd be a scenario where Trez opts in and the Lakers turn around and trade him somewhere he doesn't want to go. Right? Like, if he opts in and then he's he's putting a trade, like, they're going to tell him, hey, you know, we've got a trade lined up with whoever. I don't know, Miami, right? Whatever team. We've got a trade lined up with this team. They really want you. They don't want to offer you a three-year deal, though, but they're good. One year, 9.7 million. Do you want to go there? If so, we'll make that happen. I could see that 
being a scenario which is i don't think i think if he said you know what i really don't want to go to whatever location i really don't want to go be a portland trailblazer or whatever like they they wouldn't do that yeah i think the lakers the lakers do right by their players um that's kind of been their their selling point for a very long time so if Montrose Harrell says, hey, I'm thinking about opting in, but I'm not sure if being a Laker is the best thing for me, they would they would work on a location. They would work on a trade that that benefits both sides. Um, I, yeah, there's just a, there's a lot of benefits to him opting in. Uh, and yeah, you could still opt out. I believe the deadline is July 31st. So there's like there's plenty of time for that. But we'll just have to see how the next nine days pans out. There's there's a lot of stuff that could happen in the next nine days. And it's going to happen. It's going to be, I mean, it's always crazy in the NBA offseason, but it's going to be really interesting seeing all the teams that are out there trying to make moves right now because there's so many teams that can talk themselves in to being true playoff teams. And I think we're going to see some real teams like going for it this offseason, probably more than uh, than we would have thought otherwise. Uh, Leroy Long from Facebook said, will we keep the draft pick next week? I hope so. Are the Lakers going to keep? Okay, Matt, you say, I hope so. Why? What is it that's got you on the side of, yes, you keep the pick? Well, I, I think for me, really, unless the pick is going to be in, involved in a deal for a legitimate, you know, difference maker, um, I don't, I, I still really pessimistic, and I know I'm the optimist here, but I'm still really pessimistic that the Lakers trade for a big name. You know, Chris Paul was the popular one the past couple of days. Russell Westbrook's yeah. obviously the newest one. Kyle Lowry, you know, throw whatever star. Uh, even someone like CJ McCollum, for instance. Like, I, I'm really pessimistic the Lakers land one of those guys, so... If it's not going to be for someone that I think is going to come in and make a, a, a sizable impact on the Lakers, I think they're better off keeping it. And just because I've been saying this for a while now, they don't have young talent down the line. Um, and I think this draft in particular, there are a lot of good players in that 22 range that I think the Lakers could develop and turn into, a you know, at bare minimum, a starter in the future. So I, I personally like a lot of the prospects. I mean, I've been doing a lot of draft research the past couple of weeks, like a lot of Lakers fans, and I've, I I love a few prospects in that range. So I personally prefer them to keep it if it's not going to be in a deal that makes sense for the Lakers. Fair enough. Where do you fall on that, Ron? Yeah, I mean, look, I at this point, you know, we have about three years of data to work off of. Mm-hmm. At this point, I trust Rob Palenka to say, to decide whether or not a deal is worth giving up that pick. So if that pick is to be traded, I assume it's because it was a deal they couldn't pass up. Um, I'm perfectly happy. Honestly, I'm happy either way, because if they keep it, odds are you're getting a pretty solid talent that you can develop and kind of bolster that that youth that you don't really have on this team outside of Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, so you can really develop that. Uh, you could trade the player later, uh, you know, if he if he turns into something good or something that you're not sure fits, but is talented. Um, there's a lot of stuff you could do if you keep it. But if you trade it, I'm of the belief that them trading it means they got a really good deal. So I I don't think they're going to give it away for nothing, which means I ha- I'm, I'm pretty happy either way. I agree. I think the Lakers have earned a bit of uh, leeway here. They've got some equity here in the fan base because of the way they've drafted over the years. Look, you can count their draft mistakes because there's not that many of them, right? I mean, it's easier to look at the players they haven't hit on, right? Like what, Mo Wagner? Anthony, uh, Anthony Brown. Anthony Brown, right? Huge. Mo Wagner and Anthony Brown. Like, that's in what, the last five, six years? Guys Anthony, that Anthony, Brown was not, Anthony Brown was not a Magic Johnson, Rob hmm. Palinka pick. Uh, Mo Wagner was, and that was a huge mistake yes. on both of their parts. 
But outside of that pick, I mean, they're Magic and and Rob are. I think they're like four for four or something like that. And then the scouting department, you can go way back, and they're they're like ten for their last twelve on hitting on picks. And here's Shout where, out Joey Bus. Yes, for sure. So here's where I would be especially okay with trading the pick, and that is if you kill two birds with one stone. And by that, I mean you get a player who is young enough to be part of your future, but talented enough in the present to help you win right now. And I think that's what the Lakers actually did last offseason when they got Dennis Schroeder, when they got Montrez Harrell, right? They got sure. guys who could be part of No, it didn't work out, but I think that's the type of move where if you do that, I'm okay with giving up the pick because you're kind of hedging a little bit there, right? Like the, the benefit of the pick is, okay, I can have this guy for the next 10 years, well, if you trade it and you get a guy that you can only have for one year, like if you trade the pick in a, I don't know, sign and trade for PJ Tucker or something like that, right? Like you're getting a guy for a year, maybe two tops, and then that's gone. If you get a guy that you can keep for five, six years, the guy that's, you know, mid to late 20s, that's a different story in my mind. So that's that's what I'm looking for if I'm the Lakers and I'm trading the pick. But I'm curious. Um, oh, I've got a, a question here that we're going to get into in a minute, a super chat. But Matt, I'm curious, you said you've been studying the draft quite a bit lately. Who is it within the realm of possibility, like a a realistic target? Who would be your ideal player to land with the Lakers at 22? Yeah, so there's there's a few prospects, but I think the the most popular one right now for me is Jaden Springer. Okay. Uh, he the guy out of Tennessee he reminds me a lot of THT actually, but a better defender. Not still doesn't have quite of a jump shot, but weight looks pretty athletic, more athletic than THT at least. Not uh, the wingspan, hard, though. hard. Not the wingspan, but also a great finisher at the rim. Uh, I think he'll be at worst a, a pretty above average defender, and I think the, the Lakers could do well. He's also pretty young too; he's a freshman coming out of college. So I like Jane Springer quite a bit. The other one is Trey Murphy. Uh, I'm sure you two have probably talked about him a little bit too. He's a six nine wing, three and D prospect, the ideal you know archetype for the Lakers that they need to target, especially if they decide to trade Kyle Kuzma. So those two, if they're on the board at twenty two, I'd be really hard. It'd be really hard pressed for me to trade that pick. I'm the type. Where and maybe this is giving away too much when it comes to like our fantasy football draft that we all have coming up. By the way, I didn't realize this till now, but our draft is scheduled for the day we're all going out to Vegas for summer league. Yeah, so I was just about to tell you that, man. So, Come on, that's so that's, that's really tough. That's gonna be fun. I blame Jeff Spiegel, who who runs Dodger Blue over there, runs the the Dodger Blue post game show, uh, Dodger Heads, because of his schedule kind of forced us into to the, that particular day. But you know what? Look, it gives us more to talk about in Vegas. Um, but in any event, if we're there to see them and we're watching this player play, like, I know what we're going to see out of Trey Murphy selfishly. I kind of want to see bones Highland. I just think he would be so (laughs) much fun, so much fun to watch. And, and that's probably not the way to really draft, right? That's probably not the way, way to really draft. And I do it in fantasy football too. I'm like, I just love watching this guy play. I want him on my team. Um, but I think a player like that could, could bring a little bit of upside like Sharif Cooper, like him a lot too, not necessarily the perfect fit, but I like those guys as well. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting if the Lakers do keep the pick, like there's so many guys that I could sell myself on and be excited about that. I don't think I'm going to be disappointed if the Lakers keep the pick. I'm going to tell you right now, Bones is going to be probably one of the most fun ones to watch at summer league, just because of his range and his 
from anywhere. Uh, I, and I know he's endeared himself to Lakers fans already after his workout interview. So I, I'd be totally fine with Bones too. I, I think most mock drafts that I've, I've been looking at recently have him in the back end of the first or the early second. So that's kind of why I didn't really peg him as an option for the Lakers. They could definitely take him. I think he'll be available, but I think there's better value elsewhere in the draft. If we're going on entertainment factor though, I do love Bones. Um, but as far as, you know, realistic prospects. I, I would like Springer. I like Trey Murphy. Chris Duarte is another player that I'm really interested in, but I think he's going to go a little earlier than the Lakers pick. So um, any of those three, obviously I'd be super happy with. Um, there's a rumor out there that Chris Duarte has a promise from somebody around the Lakers, Lakers range in the draft. And a lot of people have pointed their fingers at the Lakers, but I think that's mostly just, it's the Lakers. So everybody make sure you put their name out there. Um, I don't think it makes sense for the Lakers to promise anybody right now, but that's the rumor is that they, that he's got a promise somewhere around that range in the draft. Somebody's going to be taking him, which maybe shouldn't come as a surprise, but interesting that somebody would, uh, would drop a promise to say, we will not let you fall past whatever spot. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a ton that they could do with that pick. There's, you know, we've talked about Jaden Springer, Trey Murphy there. There's a lot of good names. I think the determination they're going to make is a balance of being able to develop a young talent while also being competitive now. Um, And so, you know, some of these picks, some of these guys that the Lakers have been rumored around, you know, whether it's Cam Thomas, Sharif Cooper, Mm -hmm. uh, those guys are good development projects. They don't necessarily help the team now. Uh, Really, Trey Murphy, uh, Chris Duarte are really the only two guys that I see being like, impactful players next season um and so just for that reason i i really am leaning towards the idea of them trading it i think they're more likely to trade it just because there there are just so few guys in that range that are going to impact championship basketball this season um so uh, yeah I, good again i'm happy either way but there's a certain point where i i, I think maybe they want to trade it just so they can ensure that everyone on their roster can, can help them compete this season. Yeah. And I could definitely see them going that route as well and, and can't fault them for doing that at all. When you've got 36, almost 37 year old LeBron James. Um, all right. We got a super chat from Tyen Bridgman from YouTube. Appreciate it. Said, should the Lakers explore trading Schroeder to a team with cap space without receiving a player in return to create a trade exception? Uh, so, the answer to that is is yes. Like if you if you find out Dennis Schroeder is going to walk, right? Like let's say the New York Knicks decide they're going to do something very Knicksy and they decide Dennis Schroeder is their guy, right? I don't think he's going to be the top of their list, but let's say they decide for whatever reason he's their guy and they want to give him twenty million per season. And you're the Lakers. Um, what you want to do is you want to incentivize the Knicks to give you that that exception and the way you do that is you would say okay we're going to do a sign and trade remember this doesn't hard cap the lakers because dennis Schroeder is going out it's a player coming in that hard caps you okay so you sign and trade dennis Schroeder to the knicks and you send like a second round pick with him and that's for the knicks trouble of actually executing it as a trade rather than just taking him into their cap space so the the knicks it doesn't really hurt them any It, it hard caps them but again they're so far below the cap that doesn't matter they're not going to come close to hitting it anyway so for the Knicks, they lose nothing. They essentially get a second rounder for free, just for nothing, right? For the Lakers, though, that generates a $20 million trade exception, which then you can use to absorb a player. Now, the catch here, the catch 
is if the Lakers are planning on hard capping themselves, if they're planning on making a move that would trigger the hard cap, and that could be uh, receiving a player to sign and trade or using their mid-level exception more than the taxpayer mid-level, that would trigger a hard cap. If you're going to do that, then you could put yourself in a situation where you can't even really use the exception. Like the the Boston Celtics were hard capped last year, couldn't use the full exception that they got from the Gordon Hayward trade because of that, because you can't cross that hard cap for any reason. So that's the one kind of qualifier there, but in a vacuum, yes. If, if you have an opportunity to at least get a trade exception, even if you never use it, having that option to use that is better than just the player walking and getting nothing. Yeah, and I, I want to caution fans because we, you know, Lakers Lakers fans, we are a creative bunch. We will we will think of just about anything to <laughs> yes. get uh, to get the players we want to get. But I, I want to caution fans: trade exceptions almost always go unused, like almost always. I, I don't know the exact numbers on it, but they don't get used very often. And when they do, it's almost never the full amount um, of the trade exception. So if you get a twenty million dollar trade exception very, very unlikely they actually use it and actually use all 20 million of it. Um, so it's just one of those things where, yeah, it, it's cool in theory to have, but in practice, it's just so unlikely that the Lakers actually do anything with it. Yeah, I mean, to my knowledge, most teams usually use their trade exceptions when they're absorbing salary in a dump and then they're they're getting an asset back. So really, in the Lakers-specific case, I don't know if it does them too much good. The only way I see them actually doing this is if they have a player in mind that a team, that a player that they want and the team wants to offload. That's the only reason I would see them trying to chase a trade exception in this case. But um, yeah, I mean, I haven't really considered trade exception scenarios with Dennis yet. So this is a good question for me to think about. But I think in a vacuum, I personally probably wouldn't do it. I think if the Lakers are going to sign and trade Dennis, it's probably going to be for a player coming back. Yeah, I I agree. I think that's the most likely scenario is that it's for some type of player uh, that they're getting in return, or maybe it's, it's to be used in a package. Like, for example, the Chris Paul thing, you know, when we talk about a lot of these trades, they don't have the ring of truth, like the Westbrook thing. I can't get past uh, Westbrook coming to the Lakers and Dennis Schroeder voluntarily saying, yeah, I'll go play for the Wizards. I don't, that that doesn't make sense to me. But Dennis Schroeder saying, I'll go play for the Suns. Okay, maybe there's something there, right? If Chris Paul does indeed opt in to the final year, that $44 million that he's got left on his contract, and you sign and trade Schroeder and send over Kuzma, uh, and you'd have to add in something else. Maybe it's Trez, right? But you package that stuff together and send it over, and from the Suns' perspective, they're like, okay, we're getting something. We're not losing Chris Paul for nothing. Obviously, they wouldn't want to give him to the Lakers, but if they're getting something in return and Chris Paul's made it clear that he's leaving one way or another, that could make sense. And I could see why Dennis Schroeder could talk himself into, hey, this is the team that was just in the finals, and now... I get to go be the guy, be the lead ball handler. I don't have to share ball handling duties with LeBron. Like that, to me, makes some sense. Yeah, and and I think the Suns, look, if if Chris Paul tells them, I don't really want to play another year here, uh, I want to opt in and I want you to trade me to the Lakers or I want you to trade me anywhere, I think the Lakers package, if it's Schroeder, Kuzma, and something else, I I think they could do – they. they could do a lot worse. Um, if you're going to lose Chris Paul anyway, they could do a lot worse than adding a starter-level point guard, a quality 3 and D wing. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a good deal for them. And 
if they're going to lose Chris Paul anyway, if they firmly believe they can keep him around and and they'll they'll do whatever it takes, you know, it just doesn't happen then. But if Chris Paul says I'm out anyway, uh, they, they could do a lot worse than Schroeder, Kuzma, and whatever. Man, it feels weird being the pessimist on the show now. <laughs> yeah, what is happening? We have to change your nickname. I don't know. I mean, we might have to. I'm taking <laughs> after my uh, my pseudo dad, Ryan. Shout out Ryan Ward. Um, no, I just I I I I can't see it. Like, why would the Suns help the Lakers? One, two. I I totally agree with Ron that if if Chris Paul says I'm going to leave, no matter what you do or say. Uh, the Lakers package in the back is not terrible. Like the, the the Suns would be getting a few rotation players back. Uh, but to me, I just feel like if if Chris Paul says I'm I'm out, um, there are going to be a few teams at least off the top of my head that would that would be right at the Suns' doorstep and and offer a package, even if they don't necessarily need to offer one. But that's just me. Yeah, and I I kind of disagree because I, I I don't know how many teams are banging down the door for a 36 year old Chris Paul. Like I. I actually don't know how many teams are willing to offer valuable pieces in exchange. Think about the teams that are contending for championships. You have, you know, the the 76ers. Yeah, they could. That's actually what team was in my head. <laughs> yeah, but but are they going to give up Ben Simmons for a guy who's 36 to pair with their already injury-prone center? Like, that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. So, And then why would you have Chris Paul and Ben Simmons on your team? So, it just like, the Sixers don't make a whole lot of sense. The Nets don't make a whole lot of sense. If you think about the championship contenders, there aren't really a lot of options that make sense to give up assets for a 36-year-old Chris Paul. I think we're but forgetting why, that. Why did they Paul, have to be? Chris Paul has a say. Chris, he gets to pick where he goes, right? He's yeah. he if he if they're gonna if if he wants to play with LeBron, right? He wants to go play with his buddy LeBron. That's the whole story here. He wants to go and play with LeBron. That's what would drive this whole thing. If he didn't then yeah, the Suns wouldn't trade him to the Lakers because he wouldn't be pushing to go to the Lakers. If he just said, I just don't want to be a Sun anymore, trade me anywhere, then okay, maybe it does get opened up. But what we'd be looking at is Chris Paul saying, I want to play with LeBron. Otherwise, I'm going to opt out and then I'll just go sign wherever I want to. I'm not going to just accept the trade to anywhere. Okay, so see, this is kind of where I'm at, is I feel like... I feel like the Suns and Robert Sarver are, are the, the the Suns owner, right? I, I feel like he's petty enough to let Chris Paul walk for nothing at that point rather than help uh, a team within their division. I don't know if that's me reading into it too much, but for me, I could totally see that happening where it's like Chris Paul, he wants to play for the Lakers. He's going to opt out and he's just going to walk somewhere else. I think Robert Sarver would ultimately be fine with that versus I'm going to trade you to the Lakers and get something back. In the back, even makes no sense, but... I feel like teams operate a lot differently than fans, especially like us three do. So I could see it that happening as well. Uh, to Ron's point, I totally get it. I, I don't really see why the Sixers would do a trade like that. But, you know, Jeremy Morey has a history with Chris Paul. He's already traded for him once, right? And then my other point was being that why does it have to be a contender right now? It could be a team like the Knicks that can talk themselves into being a contender if they have Chris Paul. Um, there's the Miami Heat, another team that's always sneaky and involved in superstar trades. I could see them trying to do something. Um, they're also a win now team that's not considered, you know, quote unquote contender, but I think with Chris Paul, they should be considered. So that's just kind of where my head's at. I feel like, you know, those kinds of teams, the Suns would be way more willing to trade with because they'd be out of the Western conference, not to the Lakers. And, you know, they, they still get something back in those kinds of deals. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it's go ahead, Trevor. I was going to say Avery Swarn made the point that from you, from Facebook said he's not turning down $44 million. He like, if he wants to stay with the Suns. He'll turn down forty-four million and get three years, ninety million. 
right? And, and right. lock up that long-term money. That's He's not turning it down just to turn it down, right? Like he would turn it down if he could lock up more salary in the in the long run. Yeah, and I, I think with also another thing that we're not really considering is there is a person in the Phoenix Suns organization who absolutely has no problem helping LeBron out. <laughs> right. Manager James Jones, who was LeBron's best friend and went to eight straight finals. Uh, he, right. <laughs> James Jones, he's their guy. Uh, and if, if Chris Paul and him have a one-on-one conversation and they say, it's LeBron, let's, let's do this for LeBron. I, James Jones, again, the bottom line is James Jones could do a lot worse than getting Schroeder, Kuzma and parts for Chris Paul. I, 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 and I don't know how many teams in the NBA landscape want to trade for Chris Paul and have more to offer than the Lakers. The only thing I'd push back on that is that James Jones has the boss and his name's Robert Sarver. That's 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 like my only point to that. Yeah, that's fair. You know what? It's a great point. All right, so let's let's talk about this. Right now, the Lakers have been linked to a lot of guards, which is like we came out of round one of the playoffs, shouting to the heavens, please bring the Lakers shooting. And so far, all the smoke has been around playmakers, not necessarily shooters for the Lakers, which I think is telling. I think it tells us that, look, they really do want to bring in another ball handle. It doesn't mean they're not going to target shooting. I think they are, but it tells us that they do want to uh, bring in somebody else who can handle the basketball. And when we're looking at this list of players that the Lakers are interested in, Lonzo, Lowry, these are guys you're going to have to sign and trade for. These are guys where you're going to have to trigger a hard cap. I think the Lakers' best option, even though I would love to get Lonzo, I would love to get Lowry, is to figure out a way to trade for somebody that's already under contract, and then you will not trigger a hard cap because building out the rest of your roster is so difficult. So is there a scenario out there where you would be, I don't want to say enthused, I don't want to say excited or anything like that, you would be accepting of a Russell Westbrook trade to the Lakers? I'm going to be completely honest, and it may be really harsh. Absolutely not. Like, if if that happened, I would not be excited. Just, I would genuinely not be happy. I would not be excited. I wouldn't think it improves their championship odds. Um, I don't see any reason it's positive. And I, I get the whole, you know, talent trumps all. You know, you you get talent, you put it on the floor, and, and see what happens. But, man... There's just, I keep going back to the idea that there is not a worse point guard in the NBA to pair with LeBron James than Russell Westbrook. Like, there's not a worse one. And it has nothing to do with the talent level of Russell Westbrook. He's fantastic. I love him as a player. But when you talk about him and LeBron James on the same court, it's probably the worst pairing you could put with LeBron. You, you don't think Dennis Schroeder and uh, LeBron's worst, Ron? I watched a whole season of it. I. I, I got to say, I don't think so. I think Schroeder and LeBron's a little better. At least, at least Schroeder, Schroeder was bad this year from three-point range, and he still shot better than Russell Westbrook. Like, teams at least have to look at Dennis Schroeder when he's shooting threes. When Russell Westbrook shoots threes, they turn their back. It, it, it's just such, a, it's such an awkward fit. Schroeder, at the very least, can, can shoot a three, and teams are afraid he might make it. That's just not the case with Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I mean, um, they, they would camp in the paint, for sure. Teams teams will camp in the paint against Westbrook. So here's the, the problem, right? If you get Westbrook, 
say goodbye to a traditional rim protecting big. Like imagine if let's say Andre Drummond comes back. I don't even care about the the cap or how he, how it happens, but let's say Russell so Westbrook and and Andre Drummond are both Lakers. Right? And I know that's terrifying for some of you, right? But let's say that don't happens. Say that. What is Anthony Davis looking at when he gets the ball on the wing? The entire paint collapsed, right? <laughs> yeah. There's every player on the opposing team will be standing in the paint because Andre Drummond's not pulling anybody out of the paint. Russell Westbrook's not pulling anybody out of the paint, right? You can put shooters around them and it still doesn't matter, right? Even if you, you use the other two spots on shooting, it doesn't matter. The paint is still going to be completely collapsed. So that's another thing is if you're going to go make a trade for Westbrook, that has to alter the way you're building out the rest of your team. You've got to be very careful with the other pieces you put around you. So it's a challenge for sure. But the talent level is there. The talent level is absolutely there. But I think you're right. I think LeBron and Westbrook as a pairing is not great. It's like it's like trying to put together a, a superhero team with Iron Man and Magneto together. Like that, it, it would not go well. It would not go well at all. Oh, oh man. What a great analogy. And uh, <laughs> I want to just make sure I get the stat exactly right. Um, so Dennis Schroeder, who was not good from three point range this past year, shot 33 and a half percent for the season. If you take away Russell Westbrook's MVP season five years ago, he's never shot over 33 in his career from three point range. That was the only year he ever did it. He shot 34.2. Dennis Schroeder was bad and shot 33.5. So like, it's it's different levels. Like I get Schroeder's not anything else that Russell Westbrook is, but when you have LeBron James, if you want another playmaker, that playmaker has to be at least capable of hitting a three pointer. This discussion hurts me because I love Russell Westbrook the player <laughs> quite a bit in yeah, a vacuum. I did too. I did too. Uh, so he, bad, LeBron. Yeah, Southern California. I, I, I love Russ. I, I've defended Russ. I know he's an empty stats kind of guy for most players, or at least that's how I think most people view him as. But I do think he can, you know, help a team. Um, I think for me, the, the rub here is the opportunity cost or or what it would take to get Russell Westbrook rack. Mm-hmm. I'd essentially be trading four rotation players for him, and that's kind of where I'm like, ah, it's a little too much for me. In a vacuum, Russ is probably better than all of them, but at the same time, for me to have to trade all that depth just to get Russell Westbrook, and then now I have to somehow fill out the rest of the roster with how much, with like little cap space and little resources and no trade assets really. I don't know. That, that to me is why I wouldn't want it. But if you told me Russell Westbrook would come for free, I'm all for it. Uh, or if it costs me next to nothing, absolutely do it. I mean, that's where the talent play comes in, but trades and transactions don't happen in vacuums like that, and the Lakers would have to give up stuff to get him. I know we want to avoid the hard cap as much as possible, but I think that chasing after a guy that's going to make $41 million this year and I think 44 or $45 million the following year, nah, not, not really my cup of tea. Yeah. That's the thing. So – I'm assuming you guys would both rather have Chris Paul than Russell Westbrook, if that was the choice then. 1,000%. Not even close. It's two different levels. Okay. All right, and that's fair. That's fair. I think talent-wise, in a vacuum, the Westbrook probably has a little bit more left than, than Chris Paul. I mean, Chris Paul, there were some rough moments there in the finals where he looked like he was slowing down a bit, right? Where you kind of, you had to wonder, like, would the Suns be better off if, Cameron Payne was in right now, you know, like there were some, some questionable moments for him, but, but That's when you knew this was doomed. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But overall, I think they will be the, uh, I think he would be the better fit for the Lakers. You know, it's interesting 
I've seen a lot of people argue that, hey, the Bucks just won a championship and they couldn't shoot any threes. And I don't know if that's accurate, right? People saying that we focus too much on three-point shooting. I've seen people in chat mention that. And look, it's not just the three-point shooting. It's the interior spacing. It's not just, hey, we have to be able to shoot a ton of threes. It's what it means the defense has to do and what it opens up in the paint for you, right? Because again, look, we saw it. When Andre Drummond was on the floor with Anthony Davis, the paint was more collapsed and AD struggled a little bit more getting to the rim. When it was somebody else out there and not another five, and AD was playing the five, he was able to get the get to the rim much easier. Uh, the Bucks were middle of the pack in three-point shooting. They were able to have that threat at least. That's the. It's not so much you have to be the best three-point shooting team in the league. It's that you have to be a threat from three. You have to. The defense has to guard you. They're not going to guard Russell, Russell Westbrook. They don't guard Ben Simmons. They don't guard Rondo. They don't. They don't even guard Mark Gasol, who shot really well but doesn't shoot a high enough volume of threes. You've got to have that kind of spacing in order to stretch a defense, in order to open things up and make things easier on your scores inside. It's not all about the three-point shooting. Yeah, I mean, that that's the reason, you know, the Bucks did not shoot a great percentage from three, but they have enough volume three-point shooters, whether it be Pat Connaughton, uh, Bryn Forbes, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. They have enough guys that shoot threes at a pretty high volume to where people, they, they had to be guarded. So the opposing team had to allocate defenders for that. And now Giannis has wide open lanes and can do whatever he wants. And he can score 40 twice and 50 once because everything's wide open for him. Uh, with the Lakers in the first round with the Suns, that wasn't happening. The The Suns could put five people in the paint and the Lakers weren't going to, they were, they wouldn't shoot because they were afraid to shoot. And if they did shoot, they would miss. And now an injured LeBron and AD are trying to drive one on five. That's, that's where they went wrong. Uh, yeah, nope, I agree. Um, you know, spacing and stuff like that's super important, right? But And I know it's a good point about the Bucks not shooting a very high percentage. I think it was lower than the regular season average. But at the same time, it's, it's what Ron and Trevor already said. You just need credible shooters that require defenders to occupy their space uh, to open up some of that interior spacing for the bigs. Uh, let's not forget, too, the Bucks were relatively healthier than the Lakers. I mean, I know Giannis went down with that injury, but he was able to come back for the final. So, you know, they were totally fine there. Uh, so, yeah, you know, injuries and then that kind of stuff is really what doomed the Lakers. We don't need to rehash all of that stuff out. So, yeah, really, I know we, we might be overemphasizing three-point shooting sometimes, but I do think that it is important in the Lakers-specific case, given the strengths of the rest of the roster. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's what's going to let you maximize the other guys. I think that's going to be important for the Lakers this season. And I will say, I'm going to leave room to be wrong here. It's possible that Westbrook could work, but I think the margin for error is very, very slim. But maybe the Lakers will be convinced that it could indeed work. All right, guys. Um, I think we're going to about wrap it up there. Well, let's do one final question. Should the Lakers bring back Dwight Howard coming in from our chat here? Yes. Sure. Sure. Why not? Why not? No reason why not to. I'm going to say yes to almost any veteran minimum guy that it yeah. can be useful. <laughs> the year is 2035 and Lakers fans still want Dwight Howard back after the magical 2020 championship run. I yeah, v- veteran minimum guys whatever. No I'll, I'll I'll take 12 of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Bring What's me Carmelo. Bring yeah. me Carmelo Anthony for a veteran minimum. I, that was my no next risk. game. 
2008 Olympic team. Just let's do it. There you go. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We do this every Monday, every Thursday, nine o'clock Pacific time, talking Lakers trades, Lakers free agency with you. Again, things are heating up. Make sure you are subscribed right here to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Don't forget to turn on those notifications as well. We've got a lot going on. The draft coming up, new videos coming out every single day, breaking down what's going on in the world of the Los Angeles Lakers. And right now, there is a lot happening. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.